Good afternoon and welcome to the Jason Rancho on AM 770 KTTH streaming live on the KTTH smartphone app. A business owner suffered a third break in and he has had enough. In fact, now he's running for office and that is what's trending. What's trending? Crime. Nirav Chef is the co-owner of a restaurant in Normandy Park named the Bistro Buffy. And it suffered over the weekend its third break in. I've got the surveillance footage online. I posted it at Facebook.com slash Jason Rants Show. And what you'll notice is it is bright outside. It was done around 8 a.m. over the weekend. A brazen break-in. One of many brazen break-ins that not only has this guy had to endure, but so many others across the Puget Sound region. Last 18 months is hard. The COVID was harsh pull, almost pile of bankruptcy. And now I'm trying to you know, get back on my feet and dealing with crime. Now, you can see in the surveillance, three men in masks, two wearing hoodies, one wearing a hat. They've got gloves on. They pry open the door, the patio door to this business. They use like a pry bar. And... Once they got inside, they immediately got to work. You had two that go off camera. I'm told that it's with the intent of getting the booze that was on the other side of the restaurant, of which they apparently stole a lot. And then on camera, you can see one of the guys struggling to open the cash register. And what happens when you struggle to open a cash register and you're kind of in a rush? You just sever the cables attached and then just leave with the cash register, which is exactly what the guy does on this video. If it wasn't so depressing, you might just laugh at it. They stole what they could steal. And they only got about $300 worth of a combination of cash and booze. And yet, according to Narav Chef, who spoke with Cairo 7 TV, but he also spoke with me, it cost him about $6,000 in damage. And he's at the point where he's like, maybe I should just put a sign out there that says, hey, if you're going to rob me, just call me. I'll give you the cash. I'll give you $300. Just please don't break anything anymore. Don't break our windows. Don't break our doors. Don't steal our booze. I'll just give you the cash. Because at the end of the day, you're causing me more in damage than you're actually getting in stolen loot. And it's absolutely ridiculous. And of course, this wasn't even the worst of the issues that this guy has had to deal with. He owns several businesses, several businesses in the area. Either co-owning, is an investor, and at one of his other shops in Des Moines, where he owns a Meineke auto repair service, someone pulled a gun on his employee. One of the managers was getting beat, beat up on the street, and another guy ran after my another manager. When he was trying to defend himself he pulled a gun on his face again all captured on surveillance footage this time i posted it at twitter just so i can confuse you all but twitter.com slash jason rants and he just sent me an email because i was asking him could you give me a little bit more details on some of the issues that you've experienced because i I did not realize that he owned so many businesses or, or was invested in so many businesses so the, the Meineke in Des Moines that he just talked about there, three incidents since 2021. 
His Meineke car center in Gig Harbor had over 12 incidents since 2021. The Meineke car care center out in Silverdale that he owns, five incidents since 2021. And then, as I told you, in the last but 12 to 18 months, the Bistro Baffy or Boffy in Normandy Park, three incidents. And so he's taking... And I think part of it is because he's a former cop, used to be with Lakewood PD. He understands that this is not a policing issue. He understands that the police are stretched way too thin to be able to be effective 24-7. And out of 18, I haven't got even a single return phone call from police. Law enforcement saying that we have uh, limited resources right now. So we're going to prioritize this based on the damages or physical uh, injuries. So you heard him. He made 18 calls. And he's not getting a response. But again, he understands. He's former police officer. But he decided to do what I think sometimes people think of, but certainly too few follow through with, because it is a difficult decision. He's throwing his name in the ring. He's running to unseat Representative Kim Schreier, who's a doctor, if you didn't know, for Washington's 8th Congressional District. I know all the cities that I just mentioned aren't in Washington's 8th. He has a home in Enumclaw. And Kim Schreier has been relatively quiet on any of these issues, whether it's the crime crisis, drugs, homelessness, the intersection of all of those issues. She's been quiet. She'll, she'll say something around re-election time because she knows that it's a guarantee press release report that'll get picked up by local media. None of whom will be like, um, I got this press release. Why is this the first time I heard from you on this very important issue in the last several years? Where's the other press releases? Where are they? No one will actually do that. They'll just regurgitate the press release. So he's decided to run. Now, whether or not it's a successful campaign, I have no clue. It's very early. There's another Republican in the race. He is running as a Republican. And I imagine there'll be some other Republicans as Washington's 8th is a very large district. I imagine some other people will step up. But the success of that campaign is irrelevant. It's that he decided to step up and do something that I think is the story here. It's not even so much the story of a bunch of break-ins. Crime in Washington? What? Even the idea of having a business broken into three times, four times, five times, that's not really even news anymore. That's every day on this show. We open the first hour with at least one of these stories is that he decided to step up and run. And that is incredibly difficult to do. And it's going to take, you know, a, a pretty Herculean effort on his part to defeat Democrats that are going to pour more money into this district. But he's doing it anyway because enough is enough. This was that moment for him. The series of crimes to the businesses that he works really hard to maintain, to keep people employed. This was the straw for him. And while 99.9% of the, the population will never do what he does, despite being impacted, I always think that these are the kinds of people that we should give just a little bit of a, a little push for little bit of extra support because they were personally impacted and they decided to do something about it. And I imagine it's going to be very costly for him. I can't imagine the names he's going to be called.
because he happens to be a Republican. Wait, his name is Narav Sheth? That's not a white person's name. Are you sure he's a Republican? I'm sure he'll get some of that, but he's doing it anyway, so good for him. Now, again, I've got the video up online on our social media channels. To make it much easier for you, just text the keyword RANTS, R-A-N-T-Z, to 1-800-465-877. I'll send you a link. Let's find out what else is trending. What's trending in Trumplandia? So Judge Tanya Chutkin woke up today, and she said to herself, you know, I'd really like to interfere with the election in a pretty obvious way. And then she set President Donald Trump's trial date to March 4th, my birthday, 2024. A day before Super Tuesday. Now, this is the trial connected to January 6th, where we're supposed to pretend that Jack Smith can prove that there was some conspiracy to get the the crowd from his speech to storm the Capitol, break all these laws. There was a big conspiracy. It's a nonsense, politically driven lawsuit that was timed to be announced right before the debates right before the swing of things in the election and to be tried during the primary process. Now, maybe you heard it at the top of the hour with Fox News. The judge said, I'm not taking into consideration the fact that he's running for president. That's not going to have any bearing on this timeline. Number one, she should. It's an obvious and important issue here. And by not paying attention to that, she's going to impact the election. Good or bad, up until this point, it's all helped him. So I wonder if part of me wonders whether or not Donald Trump is saying to himself, hey, might as well do it now. I'll, I'll, I'll widen my lead even more. And who knows where things will be at that point, right ahead of Super Tuesday. But this so far has only helped him. But the idea that this team of lawyers can go through, what was it, 11 million documents, tens of thousands of hours worth of video by March 4th is absurd. Of course, they're not going to be able to do it. And his lawyer said on the record, said something along the lines of, I need this to be on the record. We cannot adequately serve our client under this timeline. Now, Judge Chutkin, who is a partisan, hyper-partisan, particularly on these issues around January 6th, said, oh, you'll be fine. Sure. It's almost like she's just she knows that this isn't going to go anywhere ultimately, regardless of what the end result of this trial is. It's going to be overturned. She knows that. And so she's just giving them more of a reason to appeal and then prolong this and then bleed Donald Trump dry. Now, keep in mind. He's got to pay for all of this. Right. And it's not just this trial. You've got the Florida trial, that's the documents case, set to begin on May 20th of next year, which is a considerably less document-heavy trial or case, and yet that starts in May. But we're supposed to pretend, again, that the March timeline is perfectly reasonable five months from now. He's got what's going on in Georgia. He's got what's going on in New York. And so he has to pay for his lawyers. And I think his adversaries know that that's very expensive. And they're trying to, again, part of the way to go after this campaign isn't just with the indictments, but it's to bleed him dry. 
And so part of the way that they've been raising some money is they've been selling T-shirts, mugs with his mugshot on it from Georgia, which I'm not going to lie. I kind of want that mug. I almost bought it the other day. It'd be a good item to have. I I do like the mug. And you can never have too many mugs, although I have way too many mugs. But I like that one. We should get a bunch and put them in the the newsroom so the Cairo radio people have like episodes of just being of trauma. They're just going to be traumatized every time they go That'll go over well because they already love using the KTTH mugs. Yeah. I, I hide. Don't tell anyone. I hide all of the Cairo and my Northwest mugs. Folks, in this building, we've got multiple brands, including Cairo Radio and MyNorthwest.com. Wonderful brands, wonderful people, but I like to hide all those mugs and only keep out KTTH. Because you know what? All press is good press. It's just, it's, you're just promoting the, the con- it's sure, you're promoting the brand that, well, they don't mention us, so it's actually good. And I'm just, in my head, they're all triggered. To them, they probably don't care. They just want their coffee. I think some people think about it. Other people do not care at all. Well, the per- the people who think about it, that's why I do it. Good so for you. So Chris Christie on CBS News, and, and Chris Christie, God bless him, he's got one mode, which is just attack, attack, attack. That's all he knows how to do. He offers no substance at all other than why he hates Donald Trump. And, of course, he attacked Donald Trump for the mugshot being sold. You're making money off of this. You're making money off of... Other schemes that end up going to your defense. Uh, you know, when you see $40 million in legal fees in just the first half of the year, and that was before um, two of the indictments, uh, these fees are only going to go through the roof. And Donald Trump maybe should sell one of his golf courses or maybe sell his apartment at Trump Tower to fund it. But instead, he's taking people who donate an average of $100 to him to try to get him to become president of the United States again. And he's using that money to pay his legal fees. Well, that's part of the campaign now. Is there a single person, number one, who doesn't realize that they're spending money that's also being used for his defense? And number two, if it was purely money being raised for his defense, would any of those people say, yeah, I'm going to pass? I'm not going to donate. No, of course not. These are hardcore super fans. When you donate, if the average donation to a candidate is $100, that means they're super fans. By the way, Chris Christie, what's the average donation to you? What, what is it, 57 cents? So as you're going after Donald Trump, it kind of feels like maybe there's a little bit of jealousy going on. Let's find out what else is trending. What's trending? National. 21-year-old Ryan Christopher Paul Meter is a racist murderer, according to law enforcement. He's the one who's been identified as the shooter in Jacksonville, Florida. The shooting over the weekend that claimed the lives of three black victims at a Dollar General store. Now, his writings have been detailed. There's a manifesto. It's been quoted by the press as to what's in it, the general theme. And it indicates pretty clearly he was out to target black people, which is why we point out the race of the victims. This was, according to law enforcement, a race-based shooting. Quick side note, I haven't seen the manifesto of the trans shooter. I'm not going to hold my breath on that one. But because this particular shooting serves a political benefit, they're going to release a whole lot of information. Which, by the way, I think they should release it. But I also think they should release the transgender shooter manifesto. Now, police say that he drove down to Edward Waters University in Newtown. This is a historically black college. He was there 
when he put on a bulletproof vest. Now, some student saw what was going on. They originally spotted him like, this guy looks weird. First of all, he's very white and very nerdy, and this is a black college. And so they watched him a little bit. Then they see him putting on the bulletproof vest, which is generally a red flag, unless you're in law enforcement. So he reports it, this student, to campus security. Campus security takes it obviously very seriously. They approach the guy. And as they're interacting or about to have an interaction, that's when Paul Meter goes back into his car and then he drives away. Now, police say they don't have any firm evidence that the college was his target. But they do seem to believe that for whatever reason, he was, in fact, going to the Dollar General store, which is, of course, where he went and he opened fire. Now, Ron DeSantis, over the weekend when this happened, he didn't have to go to the vigil or the press conference in Jacksonville. He knew that he would be booed because this is a very, very, very left wing area and the left wing activists were there. But he went anyway because he wanted to show his support and he wanted to stand with the victims to ensure that this does not happen again. That's what leaders do. They go into uncomfortable situations. They go to, I don't know, let's just pick something at random, East Palestine, even though they know they might get a hard time from the victims. So he goes there, he gets booed, and it's actually a local councilwoman, Jacoby Pittman, who, again, very far to the left. Defends him. Not going to allow these institutions to be targeted by people. We you hear him say, or her say. Hold on, hold on. Okay, listen, y'all. Let me let me tell you, we finna put parties aside, cause it ain't it ain't about parties today. A bullet don't know a party, so don't get me started. So kudos to her because she also didn't have to get involved. But again, when there's a tragedy, certainly like this one, it has a tendency to bring people together. That's why you have to pay special attention to the people who are trying to break everyone apart. They don't like the unity. Not the folks on the fringes. Because the folks on the fringes of the Democrat Party, they went into the politics mode immediately. This is white supremacy in action. Did you know that the real danger is white people in this country? That's the real danger. Now, of course, we know that that's not true, and it's incredibly disingenuous and dishonest because gangs kill more people than anyone else in this country. Do we say black and Latinos are the biggest threats because they make up a disproportionate number of gangs? No, of course not, because that's what's racist. We don't define entire groups of people by the actions of bad elements. But on the left, that's exactly what they do, at least when white people are involved or Jews or Christians or men. Cisgendered, though. Heterosexual. And there was a point that was made on Fox News yesterday by a reverend, P.M. Smith. And it's not a new comment. In fact, I've made this very comment on Fox News myself. But I think it's worth remembering this basic fact. This is making national news as a mass shooting only because the shooter was white. Or if it had been a police officer, it would be mass shooting, racially motivated. He's 100 percent correct. There is a double standard when it comes to the kind of coverage that we get. When black criminals target white people because they're white, of which we've had many of those cases, no coverage whatsoever outside of conservative outlets. Conservative outlets covered this story and covered the others. When black people kill other black people, 
which again is the biggest category in deaths for black Americans, pretty much silence nationally. CNN doesn't cover it. MSNBC doesn't. Fox does. How do I know? Because I'm the one who's on covering it. It's what I cover on Fox News for the Faulkner Focus. And tonight, in fact, on Fox News at night. Those are issues I cover on Fox News. Doesn't get covered elsewhere. Why? Because it's black-on-black violence. And they only care about the black victims when they can make a larger political point. It's disgusting. And, of course, CNN says all of this happens all the time. White supremacy in action. And to prove it happens all the time, they pointed to a shooting last year and then another shooting in 2015, indicating very clearly that, no, it doesn't happen all that often. Thank God. And if it's not the race baiting, you get the people, of course, who make this about guns. A gun is used. Thus, it's another opportunity to go for all guns. And it was Jacksonville County Sheriff T.K. Waters who broke down the reaction beautifully. Well, we have to stop people that have bad intentions. Guns is... The, the story is always about guns. It's, the people are bad. This guy's a bad guy. If I could take my gun off right now and I lay it on this counter, nothing will happen. It'll sit there. But as soon as a wicked person grabs a hold of that handgun and starts shooting people with it, there's the problem. The problem is the individual. Now, guns are a tool that people use to do, do, do horrible things. But um, it's the individuals that, that wield these things. So we, we are working hard to try to, to try to stop that. But... In this situation, in this case, there was nothing saying there was nothing illegal about him owning the owning the firearms. And so, unfortunately, that last part there gives reason for Democrats to then go to their tired talking point of, see, this is why we have to ban all weapons, all quote unquote assault weapons. And then, of course, it goes to the handgun. In any case, do not allow the people to tear apart all the unity actually come together after this makes for a better response it means that maybe we'll be able to prevent things like this from happening in the future 1-800-465-8770 for your text messages when we come back finally a group of environmentalist lunatics got exactly what they deserved we'll have it when we come back Welcome back to the Jason Rand Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Look what I have in my hand. Is that your self-published book? No, it's not self-published. It's published by Center Street Books. They paid me and everything. And I get paid per book I sell. Um, it's called What's Killing America? Inside the Radical Left's Tragic Destruction of Our Cities. And I got my first shipment. I guess my only shipment. Unless I buy them myself but i got the first shipment of books that came into the warehouse and i have to say this is a fine looking book it is a good looking book it really is the color scheme and everything and it's did you think it would be this thick no look it looks heavy like it if actually you, is heavy. if you clock somebody on the head with yeah. it it'd probably give them a concussion so the book comes out september 26th i hope you will purchase it today whether it's amazon or walmart Barnes and Noble, online, wherever, pre-order the book because pre-sales are incredibly important to a book's success. Did you know that all of the pre-sales count for week one sales? So anything between whenever we announced and posted it and the first week all counts as week one sales. Did you know that? 
I didn't know that. That's going to be a pretty good week then. I learned that uh, because that's the way a lot of people sort of game the system. It's not really gaming the system because everyone knows that that is the case. But that's why people push books at presale. For me, it's about making sure that Amazon and Walmart and Barnes & Noble, their algorithm picks up interest in the book. The more people who purchase the book, the higher it will be promoted. So it's a little bit of a catch-22 because you need people to be aware of the book in order to sell more copies. And I am lucky enough that I have my radio show. And when I fill in or when I'm on Fox News, they'll promote it as well. But uh, Ben Shapiro says in his new book, Jason Rantz rips the cover off the awful destructive policies that have turned American cities from shining beacons into increasingly unlivable hellholes. Jason stands up for the law-abiding citizens who have been betrayed by politicians more focused on gaining headlines than on the health and welfare of those who inhabit their cities. Speaking of politicians, although this one actually cares, Senator Marsha Blackburn, friend of the show, is also featured, uh, giving me a little bit of a blurb. She said, the radical left poses a serious threat to the country we're leaving to our kids and grandkids in what's killing America, Jason Rantz, thoughtfully, see, I'm thoughtful, tackles, like that. tackles those threats and challenges, giving us everything we need to know to stand in the way of woke Democrats. So it is out now. It is very heavy. Over the weekend, I started to push the the buy one for yourself, but also for your liberal liberal friend, just to tick them off. And maybe they'll learn something. The truth is, they probably won't. They'll probably just burn the book because that's what they're into. Um, but I still get paid. Are you still listed on Target? I think it, go check. I'm assuming we are. I haven't heard anything from my publisher. I keep telling him. I think almost once a week at this point. Because we check in, Amazon is the only place that gives us the book sales ahead of time. Everyone else, you have to wait until the first week. And so every time I get that number, that update, I say, hey, have we been taken down from Target.com yet? He goes, no. Yeah, you're still up there. Ah! Nobody's even written a mean review. You can't review books that haven't come out yet. Well, you can. You just have no, no basis for it. You can't. They won't let you. Oh. You literally can't. Same on Amazon. Anyway, it's out now. What's killing America? Please buy. Okay. So... Over the weekend, something happened where I, I've never seen this kind of unity from folks, regardless of their political position, although I will say it was conservatives who were promoting the video of it, at least, where law enforcement decided to aggressively take action to break up those environmentalists who block traffic, thereby weirdly creating more traffic where people are idling in their car and then further polluting the environment. But they're doing this because they think civil disobedience works. They compare themselves to civil rights fights. And ironically, while they call it civil disobedience, they also get mad if they get arrested, which that's I thought it was the point. Civil disobedience is you breaking the law and thus paying a consequence, but you believe that it's worth it. Except no one likes this. No one. There are environmentalists who actually care about the issue, who go crazy when they see this kind of stunt. And in Nevada, the groups Seven Circles and Extinction Rebellion. Oh, they're so cool. They're so badass. They decided to block the one road. You know how to get to White Theater, uh, White River Amphitheater? There's uh, that one road that you have to get, and it's just crazy. 
Yeah. It's always filled with traffic. So they basically have the same thing on the way to Burning Man in Nevada. They have their road that goes in and out. And they blocked traffic for miles, miles and miles. I saw like a drone video. It was insane. And of course, no one is moving. They're all just sitting there. And in this case, the environmentalists set up a a literal blockade, like infrastructure, in addition to sitting in the middle of the road with their stupid signs in hand. And this is everyone. Everyone was waiting for this. Nevada tribal rangers arrived. And, you know, the, if, in fairness, at the beginning, they're all like, we'll give you an opportunity to leave. You've got 30 seconds. Eight round. Everybody will be arrested if not. 30 seconds. Send your leader to my vehicle. Let's talk. Get off the road. 30 seconds. Now, I would argue it's 29 seconds too much, but I'm, that's why I'm not uh, in law enforcement. You know what happened next? Well, one of the rangers in his vehicle, dude drove right through the blockade. He was not playing. And I'm not saying he, like, went five miles an hour over it and just kind of gave it a little nudge. Dude drove fast and broke that up. Hear it. Here it comes. And by the way, they're screaming like anyone was run over or hit. It wasn't even close. No one was even close to being hurt. But they're screaming as if someone did. Because this is what they do. They're all drama queens. Like, relax, lady. My God. And of course, the lady who was screaming like that ends up eventually getting arrested. In fact, they arrested, I think, ev- almost everyone. Certainly on video, we saw them capture. There were, what, seven, eight people there, maybe? Yeah, something like that. It, it felt like I saw at least five individual arrests. And I just, this is great. We have no weapons at all. We're environmental protesters. That doesn't give you the right to stand in the middle of the road. I like, like, she puts that out there as if you are afforded some special privileges as a result. It's like, hey, we're not anti-police protesters. We're not anti-capitalist protesters, although it just so turns out that we're all socialists. We're pro-environment. We're all about the environment. Please! Please! Stop resisting! Please. Please. Oh my god. What is your badge number? I'm trying to get to her. She was just standing here. What the What's the badge number? I wasn't that. Dude is in the background and he looks exactly the way you think he would. With a little notepad. What is your badge number, sir? We're going to report you. Again, this is tribal. Land, tribal rangers. Good luck navigating that. You're not going down to uh, your local city council member to try to raise a stink here. 
Okay. And I don't know, maybe because it's tribal land, they were able to get away because you just never see this regardless of where it happens. Like even if it would happen in a, a red county or a red city, you don't see this level of aggression. And according to we've been looking for the video, I can't find this portion of it. But one woman, while chaining herself to one of the physical trailers they were using to block the road, said, this is democracy. We have a right to protest, except you don't have the right to protest in this way. You can protest on the sides of the roads, although, again, it's tribal lands. It's a little bit trickier. But pushing that part aside, you do not have the right to camp out in the middle of a road. You do not have that right. That is not democracy. You are stopping other people. You're not allowed to do that. And let's be clear. The people that we're talking about here, they're not really environmentalists. They do what they do in the name of environmentalism. Same with the lunatics who destroy art. We were seeing a lot of that. None here, weirdly enough, it all happened to be, I think it was all in London, where they would throw paint on sculptures or other paintings that they would glue their hands to, to various things. They do it in the name of environmentalism. They're not environmentalists. They're narcissists. This is all about narcissism. 100% about narcissism. These are the folks who will pat themselves on the back and tell you, you don't have to ask, but they'll tell you that they're heroes. That's the only reason why they're doing this. They want to pretend that they're somehow sacrificing all by the way, while complaining when they end up getting arrested and almost never charged. They think what they're doing is heroic. It's not. It sends their movement back every single time they do something like this. They also did it I, either Saturday, maybe it was Friday afternoon. They did it in D.C., different group, obviously, or the same group of different people. Did it in Washington, D.C., and more and more and more folks are starting to get a little upset. And they're getting in your face. And as much as we've seen some of this in Europe where they will physically drag the protesters, we're seeing a lot more of that here in the United States. This is going to get someone seriously injured. And at some point, you're going to get run over. At some point, it will be intentional. And as much as we don't want that to happen, we're also going to acknowledge you're bringing this upon yourself because you're not doing anything within reason. You are purposefully upsetting folks. You're doing it on purpose. And then they react and then you get mad and pretend you're a big victim. You're not. You are not a victim. You are the bad guy. Speaking of bad guys or bad days, because this is a story out of San Francisco, there's a restaurant there. It's called Reams California Mission. They have a policy very similar to the policy at Molly Moon's Ice Cream here in Western Washington, which is if you're a cop in uniform, you cannot show up. We're not going to serve you because they ban weapons, firearms. And in this case, of course, it bans uniformed police officers because they have to have their sidearm on them. And they're doing it in an effort to, quote, uplift social and racial justice. It doesn't actually do that but that's the reason why they've got this policy now according to the san francisco pd's union they had one of their members be denied service here and they posted on twitter 
No cops allowed. That's the confirmed policy of the bakery chain Reams. One of our officers was denied service last weekend because he was in uniform. Reams confirms that they will not serve anyone armed and in uniform. Presumably, this includes members of the military. So they, in response, Reams wrote on their Instagram account, in a time of increased gun violence, particularly impacting people of color, youth and queer people. We pretend, okay, I guess we're pretending that's a thing now, too. I didn't realize that my community was under siege. We believe that maintaining a strict policy of prohibiting guns in our restaurant keeps us safer. All too often, black and brown people and poor people are victims of this violence. Okay. By cops? Because it's certainly true that, quote-unquote, black and brown people are disproportionately impacted by gun violence. That's true. Unfortunately, usually it's black-on-black crime or Latino-on-Latino crime. Sometimes, obviously, it's white-on-white crime as well. And if you're low-income, you might be suffering more. It has nothing to do with your skin color. And it's not cops who are doing it. In fact, you would be safer to have an armed officer in your establishment, especially given San Francisco's crime crisis. But other than that, they're a wonderful bakery, and I back them 100%. I would hate it if they got bad reviews on Yelp. 1-800-465-8770 for your texts. 1-800-465-8770. This all got me hungry. So when we come back, we're going to talk about Chick-fil-A on The Jason Rancho. Welcome back to The Jason Rancho. Thank you so much for tuning in. Chick-fil-A is launching a very gross-sounding chicken sandwich that apparently is very good. It doesn't sound good. It's topped with pimento cheese, which is the worst kind of cheese, and the only way someone could stomach pimento is if it's mixed in with something else, like it's on a sandwich, I guess. Not even on a cracker. That's You need more, unless you're only putting on very little pimento cheese. It's just so gross. This one is the Honey Pepper Pimento Chicken Sandwich. It comes with pimento and honey pepper, but is the pepper honey or is the honey pepper? No, I think there's peppers and there's jalapenos on it. Yeah, well, it's mildly pickled jalapenos and it's drizzled with some honey. What does mildly pickled mean? Not fully pickled. I guess so. You couldn't figure that one out. It's, well, I it's mean, in the name. I, I get it, but what is the point of mildly pickling? If I pickling? say pickled, what comes into your head? What's uh, a the process? Pickle. A full pickling, right? <laughs> yeah. Mildly is a little bit. Only going halfway. We like dipped our toes in the pickle water. That's about it. <laughs> now, the Fox and Friends crew got to sample the new sandwiches this morning, and I love, I not only do I love anytime someone on TV eats because it's always just so appetizing to see other people slobber down food. But when we then turn it into audio only for radio purposes, this is all you hear. All the juices. What do you think of the new so, sandwich? So gross. We have a few sandwiches to try on the set. Cue the big shot of the three of us. Okay, and what do you, you think? Uh, the jalapeno is delicious. The honey just gives it a nice little tang to it. 
and the chicken, you know what? Pickled. I know it's 716, but this chicken sandwich is delicious. It's really good. Well, that's mm -hmm. what you got to expect to, to have for, oh, the honey for lunch. Mm -hmm. I mean, the day of a dollar and two, two slices of pizza and a small uh, grape soda are over. I tasted oh, oh, and at the top, they've mm -hmm. got the Chick-fil-A sauce. This is the best sandwich I've ever had. It's really good. I didn't get to a jalapeno yet. How spicy is it's it? It's right on the bottom. I know. I saw it. It's, it's mildly pickled. Really? It's not that bad. It's mildly pickled. So I, I had to do a segment on Fox and Friends weekend where we had to eat. It was like a summer barbecue, something or other. It was very good. But there was pimento cheese there on a sandwich. And I think it was Will Kane. He went to town on that pimento cheese. He went... Oh, he was he just dove headfirst in. Pimento cheese is gross though. Well, what's your deal with pimento cheese? Why don't you like it? Because it's gross. Is that that's why? Do you know what pimento cheese is? Have you had pimento cheese? Yeah, I, I can't say Have I've you had it. Looked like, at it a ton. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's, it's not my favorite. I go to a bunch of other cheeses first, but I everyone does. No I, one ever thinks, "Hey, you know what? I'm in the mood for pimento cheese." No one ever has had that thought, and yet someone at Chick Fil A. Did in fact not only have that thought, but then wanting to put honey, mildly pickled jalapeno, pepper, and on top of it, the Chick Fil A sauce. That just sounds gross. But he, they all seem to like it. Well, I think they probably had to like it. No, you don't have to like anything. They even they told me to be honest. Oh, really? It just happened to be really. It sounded good. like they were being a little over the top about it. You have to be. They tell you in TV school. That you have to constantly talk. You can't just take a moment and be contemplative about the, the bite you just took and then form your thoughts. You have to do it in real time, which is why it's always so disgusting to watch and or listen. Because they're talking with their mouth full. Uh, I wasn't good enough for TV school. That's why I'm here. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, they say the rollout of this sandwich, along with another seasonal menu item, a caramel crumble milkshake. That actually sounds good. But how do you eat a, a crumble in a milkshake? And after all the listeria stories, I don't think I can ever have a milkshake again. They say it's going to start today at Chick-fil-A locations. They say their availability will last as long as supplies do, which is a lie because they want you to think that there is going to be a run on these pimento and you better go today and get yourself this pimento chicken. I do not understand the people who get really excited about stuff like this. I just don't understand. It's like being a foodie, but only... For poor fat people, those are the right. I just it kind of feels that way, and maybe that's wrong and mean. That but I'm a mean, a person. little intense. I'm just. Saying, I'm excited for the sandwich. Like I said, I don't understand it, right? And I I don't know. I'm not saying I don't understand people who like a food, but the ones who get all excited, especially around Costco and the hot dog. Oh, it's back in the stupid little bake, whatever. The, it's just a hot pocket. The chicken bake? Yeah. It's so a hot good. pocket. Oh, it's oh my God. Yeah, but, it's I like a... but then you get the person, I only go to Costco for the hot dog. No, you don't. Shut up. No, that's not the only reason you go. And why did they have to say that? As if I'm supposed to be impressed in some way, I don't understand. The reason why I bring up Costco is the Tacoma News Tribune is reporting in a press release story that Costco is bringing back its member fave, Cherry Danish. Is I've never heard of a Cherry Danish at Costco, I, like ever. I Now, in fairness, I don't shop at Costco, but I have heard of the other stuff at Costco. I've never heard of this. Apparently, uh, they're back, and I'm assuming that they're huge. They say 
If you're already on your way to your local Costco, just be aware that not all stores may have these delectable treats back in stock yet. So if you don't see it, don't worry. Just ask a Costco employee when they expect the Danish to be back in stock, and they should be happy to help. But they will be judging you. I guarantee you they will be judging you. They're going to look you up and down and say, of course, this is the person who wants to come back specifically for the cherry Danish. Their employees are generally pretty polite, though. Yeah, I didn't say they're going to judge you out loud. They're going to silently judge you. One Costco member on Reddit wrote, I was happy to find cherry Danish at my local Costco today. Haven't seen it in ages. What, is it just a big Danish? I get, I've never heard of this. I'm pretty big into like Costco food court stuff. I've never heard of this before. That was the saddest sentence I've ever heard in the history of sad sentences. The pizza's good. I I go just for the hot dog. You've brought me down to a new level of depression on behalf of another human being. That's how that was the most sad, not even pathetic, just sad. I, I feel an emotion I never felt towards another person before, which is just sadness. That's what it feels like. Oh, that's a horrible feeling. Oh, my God. 1-800-465-8770. What food are you weirdly excited about? Watch this be the one of the questions I have to answer tonight on Fox News at night. 1-800-465-8770 for your text.